Hello, hello, and welcome to Shoutbox. Today is our 10th episode, which is fantastic. It has been a wonderful season. We've had some really phenomenal guests, and we've met some great people. What's interesting is that today's guest is someone whose work you have heard repeatedly on our show. When I first was imagining the program, I I really wanted a very specific feel to the intro. And Sven Johnson, who edits and mixes the program, knew the right person to ask, and that's uh, Melody Jane Wachtel, a fantastic musician based out of downstate Illinois. She wrote and performed the track that starts off every Shoutbox episode, and I have been wanting to bring her on the program ever since we started, and finally we get the opportunity to talk. Melody, thank you for coming to Shoutbox. Thank you for having me. Let's talk a little bit about your background here. You've been a musician for a long time. When did you first get into music? I have been into music almost my whole life. My dad played in a band with his friends. He actually played in a lot of different bands going way, way back to long before I was born. So I was always around him playing music, and that got me and my brother both into it. Eventually, me and my brother started playing in a punk rock band together in high school. And when I went off to college, I met three really great guys who became the other members of my band. This is a stick up. That's a very brief summation of my musical life. Up okay. to this point. <laughs> so how many years have you been playing together as, as this is a stick up? It's been about three years at this point, I believe. I was a sophomore in college when we started the group and now Every single one of us is out of school. I, I just want to make sure yeah, you know, first and foremost, officially, I am a huge fan. I, I love the sound. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> thank you. Well, you're very welcome. And, you know, and, and thank you so much. The intro on our show is fantastic. I've loved it since the very first second I heard it. I, I so appreciate you, you know, helping us out with that. That's really wonderful. You are a multi-instrumentalist, correct? Yes. Okay. So the funny, I, I told this story earlier to one of my friends. You know, the funny thing was is that when I first heard about this, I assumed that it was all the, the band members who were joining in. But if I if I remember correctly, you played every instrument on this uh, intro, correct? I played the guitar and the bass. The drums were sort of a programmed thing. Okay. So I didn't actually like play an actual drum set, but okay. I did all of the music myself for that intro, yeah. Man, they sound so acoustic. <laughs> yeah. The the garage band stuff has some really good sounding drum sounds. Let's talk about your transition. At what point did you first realize that maybe you were something different than what you were presenting? It was definitely my freshman year of college is when I started to come to that realization. It was sort of when all of the rationalizations that I buried that truth over time kind of started to chip away and crumble. Looking back, can you see, you know, from when you were really young or did it all just sort of hit you, you know, freshman year? It's like looking back now, it makes it seem really, really obvious. But when you're actually in that moment, you're so programmed to view yourself the way everyone else views you that you just chalk it up to something completely different, just kind of file it away and don't think about it anymore. Years later, after you've come out, that memory sort of comes back and you kind of slap yourself on the forehead and think, wow, how did I not realize? When you're moving forward in life, it feels like you're ping-ponging around, you know, but when you look backward, it's a pretty straight line. (laughs) Right. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Let's talk about the egg thing. Is there a moment Mm -hmm. that you can think of that, you know, made your egg crack, that single sort of time that you were like, wow, I really now know who I am? I don't know if it's 
like one one moment really it was like before I got to the conclusion that oh I think I'm a girl realizing that maybe I'm not a boy had to come first like I always felt like I could be totally fine living as a man for the rest of my life at some point I finally just to myself was like but do you really want to? And when I asked myself that question, the answer was not really. And then once I was like, well, what do you want to be? And I'm like, I don't know. I guess being a girl seems pretty neat. Let's try that for a bit. <laughs> and it turned out to be really what I had been wanting all along. How was your relationship with your family? Was this something that, or did you even come out to your family first? Like who, who did you come out to first? It was my friend, Lauren, who I... Hadn't actually known that long at the time, so me like giving this information to her just kind of startled her at first because she was kind of like, "Why? Why are you telling me this? I, I don't know you that well yet." We had gotten really close really quickly, I think, and we spent a lot of time together all through all four years. We were both in college, and she just like gave off these very like safe vibes. She was the first person I dumped that on, and. I didn't come out to my family for a while, not because I didn't trust them or didn't believe they'd accept me. I was just like overthinking having that conversation at all. The friend I mentioned said this to me many times that they would be absolutely wonderful about it. And they were. I was too nervous to bring it up for one whatever reason. It's a very common reaction in just about everybody. I'm really afraid of sharing this piece of myself with you. And I'm, I'm going to stress about it really, really hard. Even though you know that this person may love you or you know you'd have that support, you, you feel like somehow in, in revealing this inner detail that it's going to derail that somehow. What do you think that stems from? I think it's just knowing that a relationship that has been a certain way for as long as you can remember is inevitably going to change. And even if that change isn't going to be a bad one, it's still something that not knowing what it's going to be like is scary. In the end, it went well, it sounds like. Yeah, very. And I knew that when I was finally going to rip the Band-Aid off and come out, before I made the big Facebook post letting every single person I knew know, I really wanted to tell them face-to-face before I did that. Because I felt like, as their daughter, they had a right to hear it straight from me. Were you away at school when this happened? Yes. Okay. I actually, like, came out to them over pizza when they came to one of my concert band performances. And they were just kind of like, okay. And they gave me a hug. And that was that. So you've had a really good support system from your family. Definitely. Do you have uh, siblings? I do have one brother, yeah. Okay. And he's also wonderful. Oh, I love hearing that. That makes me really happy. You know, that's how it should be. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. You know, one of the reasons why I started this program is because of, I was hearing so many young trans folks in particular who are just having issues with their family, not getting that support. I just mm-hmm. don't understand how you cannot be supportive of your child. I, I love hearing it when it's done right. What are some of the benefits and or challenges you've experienced during this transition period? I think the biggest challenge for myself has been sort of an inner one in realizing the kind of woman that I want to be. I think that's harder than even realizing that you want to be a woman, really. It took a lot of self-reflection and a lot of trying 
different things for me to realize that the simple way to put it is that I'm kind of a tomboy. I like having my hair a lot shorter and I don't really like wearing makeup and I dress more in an androgynous fashion and I like that. I think there's, especially when you're a trans woman, you feel like in order to be accepted by society as a whole, people who you interact with on a day-to-day basis, you're expected to perform femininity to this excessive degree. Attempting to do that was kind of exhausting for me, and it wasn't something I had any interest in. I finally came to the realization that I want to be a woman my way. I suppose that's a lot of life experience you're packing into a short period of time, trying to sort of find exemplars of the the kind of you know, you know, woman you want to be and, and, and right. trying it on? Definitely. The other side of the coin when it comes to like yeah, having this more androgynous presentation is that it leads to more misgendering from people who don't know me. Some people might not get why, if I'm supposedly transitioning to be a woman, why would I not be that interested in performing femininity, but ultimately that's just not who I am. The thing I, I, I think is interesting is that it, identity is really complex. It's how you know how you feel about yourself. It's how you want others to see you. It's how you wish to be to present, and how you want people to interpret that presentation. And, and there's a lot of social cues that are are all jammed in together there, having to wrestle with these expectations as if they are somehow fact when they really aren't. When it's rough, I guess, you know, when when there are challenges there, dysphoria, you know, sort of rears its ugly head. How does that present and what are some of the things that you found that help you address it? When it's bad, it's like just kind of immobilizing, I guess. It makes it hard to want to go out and live your life because in those moments, you don't see yourself as who you want to be. And it kind of leads to this line of thinking of, well, if I even if I if I don't even feel like I'm selling it, then how is anyone else going to believe it? One thing that really helps is to remember that I know that I'm beautiful in my own way. Absolutely. And I am a woman regardless of how I might feel about myself in any given moment. It can't take away from me who I am and who I've worked on becoming. Not to say like being a woman is something I've become, but like I've definitely like worked on myself as a person as like everybody does because we all try to improve ourselves and try to develop as human beings, I can look back on where I used to be and very clearly see the progress, both in a literal physical sense and in a sense of the way that I sort of was versus how I am now. The amount of reflection that you've done is breathtaking. It just seems like you've done so much soul searching and reconstructing even to how you, you know, you approach the world. It takes a lot of bravery to sort of look at yourself and figure out who you are and and I applaud you for that. I mean, that's that's the the whole reason why you're here is to be who you actually are. 
And part of this, you know, though, is you're also an artist. You're an amazing musical artist, and I, I, perhaps you're an artist in other ways too. But you know, I know the music. I find I get a lot of solace from creating. You know, that has music been part of that for you? I definitely think it has, both in like helping to create a sense of community, and also in helping to express my identity. I don't often write a lot of deeply personal songs. Well, I, I write the lyrics and then kind of hide them because I'm still not to the point where I feel comfortable sharing that kind of lyrical thing with the world. But I do have some songs I've written and presented to my band and worked up and performed in front of people and recorded. Those have sort of more of a happy-go-lucky kind of feel. They're usually about girls, just love songs. Sure, yeah, yeah. But I like to do those kinds of songs because, well, mainly just because that's the kind of thing I like to write about and I like to sing about. The thing I like about those kinds of songs is that they work against the notion that you have to bear all of your suffering in the world and that being trans is suffering and all of this, these stereotypes. I like write happy songs about going to punk shows with cute girls because sometimes being trans can be pretty great. In a lot of ways, your art gets to, to make a, a world that you'd want to live in, right? Definitely. But there's something really wonderful about but just saying, you know, I want to cheer myself up, so I'm going to make this this happier place. And, and somehow that happier place mm-hmm. can often become realized, you know? Do you feel like your music came into its own around the same time that you began transitioning? I think so, yeah. I definitely think that having a better sense of who you are gives you more confidence. And I think confidence was what I really needed to get over the fear of sharing my creations with people and to be able to contribute music to what our band was doing to be able to share it. Because up to that point, I've written a couple of very simple songs, but I was always kind of self-conscious about them and didn't like to perform them very much. It's gotten to the point now that a lot of these songs I really, really love to sing them and play them, and it's a really good feeling. You're very talented, and you know, you're know you just at the start of some really amazing things, which leads me to my next question is, if people want to hear your stuff, where can they find it? This is the Stick Up is on Bandcamp and Spotify and pretty much any other streaming service you could imagine. We have social media accounts where if we have shows coming up, we usually post about them to keep people posted. We're still writing material and trying to keep doing what we're doing despite how busy our lives might get outside of music. If you are doing any live shows in the Chicagoland area, please, for the love of God, let me know. Absolutely. I'm sure we'll be up there at some point. Melody, thank you so much for joining us on the program. Thank you for having me. It's been great. I hope we get a chance to talk again soon, but I am so glad we got a chance to get you on this season. Have a happy holiday season, and and, uh, we'll catch up real soon. Thank you. You too. All right. Take care. So we have a very special bonus guest on today, and you may remember his name. We have Chase Norris, founder of Clock Inc., the LGBTQ Community Center in West Illinois. Thanks for joining us on the program today, Chase. Thank you for having me back. So we talked about a lot of things with our previous guest. One of the things is dysphoria. 
And I thought that would be really great to get a licensed therapist's insight into what it is and how it presents. And let's talk about it. Before it can look completely different to every individual, it is very common in the trans community where if you don't have the body image that internally you know you're supposed to have, you could be misgendered and that's going to throw a curveball and increase depression symptoms, anxiety. So the idea is, is there's a disconnect again with how, how you view yourself and perhaps how you might feel you, you are presenting? Yes, all of that and not feeling that confidence in presenting yourself how you feel you should be. What are some ways to be able to deal with that? Because I know that it can be really overwhelming and can be very depressing. Definitely find your coping skills, find your support system, others who are going through similar experiences and how you can relate and find that support within your community. Use them, find what works, whether that's online or in person, based on where you live, something that gives you that support because it can be very overwhelming when you know you want surgery and you go meet with a surgeon and insurance isn't covering it and you're thinking there's no way you're going to be able to save that money. That can be incredibly discouraging, but there's options, there's saving, there's programs out there who work to assist individuals build up that money to be able to cover those costs. But patients is number one, nothing's going to change overnight, but there will be a time you will get there. So have faith, have patience. I, I'm glad that you brought up community. One of the really remarkable things, you know, just in starting this show that I've experienced is going on trans Twitter and meeting all these amazing folks who are so giving and sharing and, and helping each other through these periods. Obviously, I really want to give a shout out to what you folks are doing there at Clock. Ever since we met, I've just seen you doing amazing programs and amazing outreach. How can people help out a community center like yours? Is there a way for them to be able to help to donate or, or, or support your organization? We never turn down donations. And whether that's financially, items, or volunteering your time, any way of showing support, even if you're not in the community, CLOCK is not just for that, it's for anybody. And if you need a safe place to feel support, anyone is always welcome. What are some ways for them to be able to reach you? Uh, We are on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. There's always our website, which is clockinc.org. All our information, our location, our phone number, emails, any way to contact myself or different portions of how you want to get involved. All of that's on our website. Chase, thanks for you know stopping in for a short time here. And again, particularly with the holidays coming up, you know it, when dysphoria sets in, use your friends, use your support system. And, and Chase, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. All right, take care. That was awesome. I'm so glad we were able to get Melly Jane Wachtel on our show. Special thanks to Chase Norris for joining us. Thank you, Chase, for all the amazing work you do at Clock. So if you want to connect with Melody, you can find her in This Is A Stick Up on Facebook and Twitter, as well as Bandcamp and Spotify, and I'll make sure to get links in the notes. To find Clock, they're also on Facebook and Twitter, as well as on the web, so definitely look up Clock Inc. to find more information. This is the 10th show of the season, but it's also the last show of this season, of the 2019 season season. We will be back in 2020 on January 23rd. So we're going to take a little bit of a break. We'd still love to hear from you though. So feel free to reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter or send us an email at shoutbox at kiharding.com. With this being the last show of the season, I did want to give extra thanks to all the people who helped make our season so special, including all of our fantastic guests. 
the wonderful folks at BAM Studios, and especially Philip Von During, who's recording us here today in BAM's newest podcast studio, and Sven Johnson, who has edited and mixed every single one of our shows this season out of his Blue Box Studios in downstate Illinois. You're all awesome. I love you all, and I so appreciate everything you've done to make this program so good. So until 2020, I just want to wish you all a very happy holiday season. Thank you all for joining us in our first season. Looking forward to the next one, and I guess we'll just take us out here with Melody Jane Wachtel's Shoutbox Song. <laughs>